I am so excited that today you get to meet my friend Mike Sigmund on the podcast. Mike is an extraordinary apostolic leader and he has a militant, sharp focus on how to draw our eyes and our hearts to the things that matter to the Lord. And he has the words, the expressions, and the wisdom to be able to unpack that so that we can understand it and then apply it to our lives. I think you are going to be so blessed by the wisdom that Mike shares today around fivefold leadership and also about what God says about our own identity and how to lean into his Holy Spirit to be equipped and ready for whatever comes. Welcome back to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. My name is Sarah, and Ilya is not with us today. He is out of town working, but I have the immense privilege and honor to share with you a dear friend. His name is Mike Sigmund, and I've known Mike for, man, how long has it been, Mike? I think almost 10 years. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) And I have just really appreciated different roles that Mike has played in my life. He's been a committee chair for a board in my organization. He has been a dear friend and partner in ministry. He's been my pastor. And um, now we get to just war in the battlefield apart in, in separate cities. But I wanted to introduce you, Mike, to the people because what I have been able to receive from you in your leadership and in the deep well of your personal faith, it has been really transformative in my own walk and the way that you generously pour out, you generously pour out of yourself. And I know that it seems effortless and that's because you spend so much time with the Lord and you just give him everything, but it's also because you are incredibly disciplined. You are incredibly intentional. And all of the ways that I have experienced your leadership comes from an apostolic office. If I were to look at one person and say, that person operates out of an apostolic office, it would be Mike Sigmund. And Mm. so he's here today. You get to draw from his wisdom and influence. And Mike, would you please share just a little bit about you and your family? Yeah, absolutely. And man, thank you so much for um, the very generous intro. Um, Just really humbling, but uh, an immense blessing. And um, man, just just really feel honored that you would invite me to be on your podcast. I'm going to save everybody the vast history and just kind of hit some of the recent things. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of an entrepreneur. I have a military background. I served in the Marine Corps for eight years. Um, I've run, owned, and operated numerous businesses. I got into ministry. I've always been part of the church pretty much my entire life. I grew up in the Catholic church. Uh, It wasn't until my mid-20s, mid to late 20s, that I finally came to an understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God. And that changed everything, everything. So as soon as, you know, God really captivated my heart. There was just this immense pursuit on just wanting to give him my everything. Uh, Because from a worldly perspective, I had had a ton of success 
Um, I don't have a rags to riches story. I have a riches to rags story. Um, and I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way, but, but you can have everything and have nothing when you don't have Jesus. And then you can have Jesus and nothing and have everything. So that's pretty much my story. I got into ministry, I'd say, uh, gosh, full-time ministry, I think back in 2010. Uh, was when I first started in full-time ministry. Uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife, Sarah, we've been married to one another for 15 years. We've got four girls, uh, ages, let's see, 14 down to eight now. Oh, yeah. so they're growing very rapidly. And uh, yeah, we we started off in children's ministry, uh, which if any of you are children's ministers, God bless you. And uh, keep we lift our hands right now. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Um, Man, that's probably the most challenging and yet most rewarding. And and I mean that most rewarding ministry to be a part of is uh, helping raise up the next generation. And uh, they're because they're the church today, not just the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. So um, bless you if you are in uh, children's ministry, but that's where we cut our ministry teeth. And uh, we did that for a handful of years. I got hired on for a permanent position at a Foursquare church in Bremerton, where I became the youth pastor and uh, grew that ministry. Uh, Then I started having, obviously, high school students that were graduating and still sticking around. So then it's like, hey, we've got to do a young adults ministry. So then I was doing high school and young adults. And then that spread into the college the local community college. And uh, next thing I know, we were having kind of like a separate church outside of our church. We were putting on monthly events at the local community center, which was a ton of fun. And then God's like, hey, now I want you to actually plant a church. So uh, military, entrepreneur, business owner, ministry, and then church planner. And in 2015, we began planting a church uh, in the city of Yelm. And then in 2016, we launched and it went absolutely bazonkers. Uh, We had a ton of people show up right from the get-go, had to move to two services. And then for about two or three years, um, we just hit a ceiling. And a lot of it had to do with our facility. It was a brand new, beautiful community center, but we could only put so many people. And my team was 100% volunteer. So Uh, Obviously, people only have so much capacity, only so much that they can give before it turns unhealthy. And we recognize that. And we just, we sought the Lord in prayer and said, God, we know you've got big plans for our church. So um, we're going to hang tight until you open up a door. And so for about a year, we prayed. And then this opportunity came up to purchase a building right in the center of town. It was a crazy breakneck pace that I don't know if I do it again that way. but And it's literally um, on Main Street. Yeah. I mean, we're a town of probably about 11,000 people. So not not huge, but, but growing. And uh, we could have never imagined. We actually had an opportunity to purchase a different building, but it wasn't in the center of town. And we knew that God wanted mm-hmm. us in the center of town. So that opportunity passed. 
And then this, uh, this new opportunity came up and it was, it's literally on the main drag through town. You can't miss it. We've got probably one of the biggest signs that like <laughs> we wouldn't be able to have if it wasn't grandfathered in. So, I mean, it's like once God opened those doors, it was just a floodgate and we were just trying to keep up with what he was doing. And it was a crazy pace, but he's the one that made it all happen. And then COVID hit about five weeks after we opened the door. So good old we COVID. Have, yeah, good old COVID. But man, like those challenging times really are, are proving grounds, you know, because people don't, and this is, this is not my quote, but I use it a lot because it's so true. Um, people don't rise to the occasion. They fall to the depths of their understanding and experience. When you have great foundations, you can weather those storms, right? I mean, it's like, when, when your house is built on the rock and people understand that they are participants and partakers in God's kingdom, and he has a specific role for people to play. You know, you've been talking about the fivefold ministry. There are these callings, but there are these giftings. And when people understand how to operate in those, like the kingdom of God continues to advance regardless of what's happening. So okay. it can be absolute chaos all over the place but but the people who who are leading well have been led well and they know who they are like they just operate in their giftings they operate in their calling and sometimes it gets a little bit messy but God is so faithful in all of it so yeah he has us and and when i say us i i mean christians in general He's got us on a on a crazy adventure and it is so good. Yeah. So, I mean, I could keep going on and on, but I know we've got uh, some things to hit today. So you're hitting the bifold ministry point that really I wanted you to come on and speak to. And people do need to realize, I think that I was working in the same town that you now have planted this church on Main Street. And this town actually has one of the top 10 largest cults in America in yeah. it. And so we just, I cannot wait when we start talking about spiritual warfare in the fall and the stories that are going to come out of that. But um, <laughs> you have dug deep trenches and built high walls and God is just honoring and using that. It's amazing. So what I would love, Mike, is hearing your story. You are literally a poster child for apostolic gifting. You're a pioneer, entrepreneur startups, drawing people, assigning people their tasks and their and their goals and, and what they need to be doing and where they're best gifted. That is truly the office of an apostle. When was it that you actually realized that this was part of your gift set? This is how Mike is. This is what Mike does for the Lord. When did you realize that and start to grow and operate more confidently in that? You know, God creates us with very specific talents and abilities from the get-go. I think from the very beginning, just human beings as a whole are absolutely amazing. I mean, there there is just so much capacity that we have to do amazing things and I'm going to qualify this maybe as we continue. You can do really great things without God. Now, that's going to sound kind of sketchy 
because like like that's actually kind of our problem at the same time right there's this pride and oh i can do things on my own but but if you think about just how god created us as physical beings i mean he like just in his design we are amazing like we have the ability to do great great things now partner that with god partner that with the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, get out of here. Like yeah. it takes it just to a, an infinitely other level. So being somebody, I, I've just always kind of gravitated towards teams. I, I love being a part of a team. I wouldn't say that early on I could articulate the why, uh, but I love being a part of teams. And it was just interesting, you know, like in business, God would just give me you know, creative ideas. Like my thought has always been, how can I take whatever I have and make it better? You know, how can I make a business more profitable? How can I make um, something more marketable? Where are the opportunities to up the ante, to raise the bar? And that's always just kind of been my mindset. And I wouldn't have attributed it to a gifting, but just a propensity. Like that's just kind of who I am. That's the lane that I operate in. So early on in ministry, when I uh, became a full-time youth pastor, I actually took the APES test and that goes through the fivefold ministry. It helps identify like how you've operated up until that point. And so that was probably the first time where I got a sense of my apostolic calling I would have just said, you know, I'm kind of an entrepreneur. I like new things. I like change. Uh, which isn't for everybody. I get that. But those are things that appeal to me. I would say ministry has been the longest stint that I've stayed in anything, um, which is really good because I think I found my sweet spot within how God really built me. But yeah, that that APES test, which anybody who's listening to this, uh, you can actually take the APES test like online for free. There are different websites, um, I think church tools, or um, there's a couple other places you can just Google it, right? And just we can put the link also in the podcast. Yeah, um, but you can take that test. It's fairly simple. It's straightforward. You don't have to make anything up or try to answer it in a way that you think it needs to be answered. You just need to be true to yourself. And it kind of starts drawing out, okay, and starts focusing in on where you fall and where your strengths are. So early on as a youth pastor, I took that test and I was like, oh, okay, apostolic. Well, that kind of makes sense. And they had a they had a generalized understanding of what that means and entrepreneurial and likes change. Those type of things were were pretty normal. Um, it wasn't until I until my wife and I and our family decided to plant that we actually went through another training. It's one of the personality tests, but it's like crazy in depth. And it's called the Berkman test, B-I-R-K-M-A-N, Berkman test. And uh, this was actually facilitated by a great friend of mine, Gary Dunahoo from, um, well, he he's, uh, he's a certified coach. He's got his doctorate in psychology and all kinds of stuff. And Gary, if you're if you're listening to this, if I get anything wrong, <laughs> uh, please forgive me. I apologize. But the the man is amazing. Um, but he came to our church and facilitated this test, and it kind of it expanded my understanding for what it means and why I do things the way I do things. 
So without getting into a massive amount of detail, you have two parts to who you are. And I'll just try to keep it basic. You have what everybody sees. So your forward facing self, and then you have you have what everybody doesn't see. Like, what are your motivations? So nobody knows why you do what you do. They only see the fruit that you produce. And so once I took that test, I started understanding like, I'm a person that God's built to get things done. Give me a project or you don't even have to give me a project. Just say, go find something and I will find it and go make it better or or make this thing happen. and, And I'm on it. So that's my motivation. So if you know where I'm coming from, then you have a better understanding of who I am and what is driving me. So God has created me to be a doer, but he does it in such a way where outwardly people see me creating and gathering teams of people. But that's a that's a highly relational skill. You've got to be able to build relationship with people You've got to find out what makes them tick. What are their motivations? What are they good at? And sometimes you've got to be able to see stuff that they can't see even in themselves and help draw that out. When it comes to apostolic leadership, I'm a gatherer of people to see the mission of God get done. There's an understanding that I have that no one person can accomplish the mission of God. Like we're doing it together. Like the church needs all the people, you know, maybe there are some people that are saying amen because you are stressed. You have a a, a huge workload. You feel like you're doing it all yourself. And this is one of those moments where I would agree. Yes, we need more people. But here's the thing. If you're the leader, you need to recognize that maybe part of your role is to stop doing everything and start finding people who can operate in their giftings with their talents and their abilities because the things you're failing at, you probably weren't created to do. Come on, somebody. You know, so that's my lane as an apostolic leader. I want to see the mission of God get done. And I'm looking for places and spaces that I can that I can see, hey, like it's primed for the kingdom of God. It's primed for the gospel. Now, who and where are the people to gather and then equip them, train them and release them, having been empowered to go and do the work that they're called to do? And really, that that's what this fivefold ministry is about. You know, when I read through Ephesians and I look at the, the fivefold ministry, One version just says, like, here are the offices that Christ has given the church. And he goes through apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Right. But there's another version in the New Living Translation. And I love this. He says, this is the gift that I've given the church. And then he says, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher. And he says, I've given the church these gifts as a means of equipping the people, training the people, training them for what? So that the fivefold ministry can still go and do all the work? No, no, no. Like the fivefold ministry exists to train the people to do God's work, to accomplish the mission of God. And so I think, you know, sometimes as leaders and in congregations as well, like teach the Bible and teach it faithfully. The pastor is not the only person to do the job. 
The pastor has to do a lot of stuff, but in a healthy church, the church is doing a lot of stuff. And everybody kind of has an idea of what lane they're supposed to run in. And collectively, that's how the mission of God gets accomplished when the whole body is pursuing and doing the mission of God. Man, that's when we see ministry expand and more people come to know the Lord and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, that's when we start seeing people activated and discipled and then becoming disciples who make disciples. It is a challenge, but God has never called us to challenges that he didn't already know that we couldn't accomplish. Or have the solution for. Right. Absolutely. And there is nothing more beautiful. There is nothing more beautiful apart from the Lord himself. Yeah. When his people are empowered and activated to do exactly what he has deposited within them to do specifically to them, their most authentic, created self. Yeah. And when yeah. we get to see that, something else that comes into that culture and into that environment is honor. Yeah. We are honoring one another. We are lifting each other up. And it's not hard to bear each other's burdens because we're doing everything out of love. And there's, it's no longer transactional. It's just this natural exchange of giving back and forth what God is flowing out of us. And it's not hard because it is just exactly who we are meant to be. Yeah. And we're, yeah. and we're doing it from our most, most natural self. And, and so when you see specific teams who are intentionally operating in this way and are listening to leadership, and then going and doing their part and saying, yes, I'm all in and you're linked arms and you're working together. People are like, wow, I, in our last event, I had a man come up to me um, where we were really operating out of fivefold leadership. And he said, can you explain to me how you have so much order in this event while being so clearly led by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. How do you have both? How are you not fighting with each other? He's like, I don't get it. And it's exactly what you just described. It's leadership looking at the people and saying, I'm going to give you, I'm going to speak into you exactly what you need to empower you to do what you already have been given by God. You used a really great word in what you just described and you said honor. You know, I want to challenge some of the leaders that are listening right now. Are you really honoring your team? Are you really honoring your people if you are allowing them to accept a second best of themselves rather than God's best for themselves? It's one of those traps that I think a lot of leaders get stuck in. And it, it, it is kind of a fine line to walk, and it is kind of an an art, but you have to challenge people. You know, you have to challenge leaders. The leadership team that helped me plant this church, I said, listen, I'm not going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you able, right? I'm going to hold you able, not accountable. I'm not going to be the police officer, which is kind of funny. We'll get into that later, but you don't need me to be a police officer like holding you accountable, 
right? Like getting ready to drop the hammer or get you in trouble. No, I'm going to hold you able, which takes relationship, which takes knowing you, which takes knowing where you have strengths, where you have weaknesses. And when an opportunity presents itself that is clearly in your in your running lane, in your power alley, I'm going to hold you able to run the heck out of that thing and not allow you to give just a second best, but to give your best. That's a fine line. I think that shows honor, you know? I have seen that in your leadership towards me. You, <laughs> one of the reasons that I appreciate you so much and, um, it's iron sharpens iron is that you are consistently, not always, but consistently challenging me in the areas that I can be empowered and I can grow in. And you always present things in a way, almost in a form of like, what about this? What about this? And if I don't follow through right away with maybe something that you're discerning or seeing there's no shaming me there's no I told you so's there is this this grace of like I have something to offer you Sarah and what I have to offer you you can take and listen and receive and do something with and you can take it to the Lord and you can ask him or you can disregard but I'm not going to hold you accountable to that I'm going to tell you that you are able to do that Yep. And you get to choose and you leave that choice with me and I get to own that because you're not owning my peace. No. You're just offering me a gift and I can either take it or not. Like you said, we've known each other for a long time, personally, professionally, like I've seen you operate. I have some insight as to what makes you click things that bring you joy. Like you don't have to say anything. I can read it on your face. When you are in the zone and you are fully submitted to God and you are fully embracing how he has gifted you, how he has created you specifically, like it's just all over your face. You can't hide it. You know, it's Disneyland, you know, and we're just having a blast. <laughs> yes. So when things come up again, I'm not rising to the occasion. I'm falling to the depths of our relationship where I know these are things that I know Sarah has strengths and talents and abilities. And right now she's being presented with an opportunity. So how can these strengths, these talents, these abilities be applied in that context? And so it's like, well, what about this? But it always has to do with you, not me. Your strengths, your talents, your abilities, the things that the things that I've seen produce that smile on your face. And so if it clicks, great. If it doesn't, you know, I'm very hesitant and reluctant to ever say, thus saith the Lord. Because, man, we've got to be careful when we're saying, I am speaking for God right now. Like I have ideas, and I think that there are ideas that are influenced by the Holy Spirit, but like in what ratio sometimes, right? But I know that when I'm operating in my alley, in my strengths, in my gifts, in my talents, my abilities, um, God's going to use all of that together. 
And you have encouraged me immensely over the years, just in ministry, your your faithfulness to be praying for me, to be checking up on me, uh, to be encouraging me for you know the things that are ahead. Without you, uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at. That should be what we all consider. Like we as a church need one another. It's in the context of the body that we experience our best self, not outside of the body, not separate of the body, but in the body is where we discover our best self, who God created and has called us to be. The fullness of that is within the context of the body, not absent of it. How would you encourage our listeners to be able to identify leaders that are perhaps holding an office that they could lean into? What are they looking for in leadership to receive that kind of guidance and counsel so that they can know what those things are? That is a really great question. And I don't know that I have a really good definitive black or white answer. Like it's, I don't know if there is one. As a leader, there's just kind of this thing that stands out. It requires discernment, but on the other person's part, it requires authenticity. So just be authentic. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. If you love to serve, then serve. If you love marketing, figure out a way to do marketing. It is an authentic pursuit for any person of desiring God's best for them. Trying to figure out who they are in Christ first. I almost said before they try to do anything else, but like as you begin to figure out, oh, like I kind of like this. And so how can I use what I like to serve the church? I think naturally those things begin to rise to the surface. And, you know, if the church has a great leadership team who cares about people and wants to see the kingdom of, of God advance, they're always looking for people to pour into the church that we planted. So the leadership team started off small. I think we had probably about 13 or 14 adult leaders that I gathered together. We found out where people had their giftings, their talents, their calling. And so we kind of set everybody up to plant the church. It was crazy. First service was, gosh, I think it was like over 200 people. And so we're like, oh my gosh, we've got to move to two services now, you know? And so our church wasn't one that started off small where I could be more relational with the congregation. There's no way for me as a person to have capacity to be best friends with 200 some odd people. It's just not realistic. Right. Like there's just not enough time in the day to meet with everybody, get to know everybody. And so it was one of those type of things that we just knew we're going to pursue the mission of God and we're going to be as relational as we can be. And we know that it's going to be through relationship that God's going to grow his church. And I told my team right off the bat, I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it all by myself. So some of you guys are going to have to lead groups. All of you are going to have to lead groups. You're going to be leading a ministry and those ministries, you're going to have to find leaders and you're going to have to invest in them. I said, here's the deal. Like, I'm not going to be able to be as relationally connected with the congregation as I am going to be with you. My team, you guys are my priority. 
You guys are my number one relationships. I don't have relationships, those deep relationships with anybody outside of my, my leadership team. They're my number one. They're the people that I go to war with. We go to war together. But that's where I placed all of my time, effort, energy, love, everything that God was pouring into me, I was pouring out into them. As leaders, we're the ones who create culture. We do. So if you have an unhealthy culture, it starts with leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Mike, what I'm hearing you say um, when it comes to identifying fivefold leadership in your church and being poured into, there's a couple of points that I hear come from your thoughts and your perspective. One is looking for leadership that is actually willing to pour into you. And I know right now there's somebody saying, I don't have any leadership that is going to do that. But I don't hear you saying key leadership people in the church necessarily. Looking for leaders in the church, whether they have a defined leadership role and a paid position in that body of believers, or they have already identified their gifts and are operating out of them in health and are leading in them that you are connecting with them and asking them if they can give you a little bit of time to be able to pour into you and grow you in who you are. I think that's really important. I think sometimes we look at the person behind the podium and we're like, I need that person. I need them. And that person probably is at full capacity. And unless God moves a miracle, they could or they could not have the ability to take on more. But it doesn't have to be that person behind the podium. Look around and build relationship and see who is leading off of that platform. Because there are plenty of people there too. Oh, 100%. And then I also, something came to mind. I remember I was finishing up speaking at an event and I had a young woman come up to me and she goes, I think God wants me to be a speaker. He (laughs) wants me to speak. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. Great. She goes, I don't know what I, I need to say. And I said, well, that doesn't mean you're going to be a speaker today. Yep. And she had this such this passionate um, experience of like, oh, I think this is this identifying this passion. that I think this is what I need to be. She naturally kind of went to this place. I need to do it right now. And what <laughs> really she needed was, oh, I'm identifying this and asking the question then, what does this mean? Okay. You want to be a speaker, but. I think sometimes too, as leaders, we need to understand relationship also requires trust, right? The building of trust and our faithfulness to the church requires us to kind of vet and give opportunity to really see like, is this a call of God or is this just a good idea? And so, you know, like this particular lady or, or anybody that's like, hey, I want, I think God's calling me to teach or to preach. It's like, okay, what's the entry level area? Hey, why don't you job shadow one of our children's workers on a Sunday? And then uh, maybe in two, three, maybe four weeks, we'll have you lead prayer time with the kids. And they're like, no, no, no. Like I, I want to preach. Yeah, yeah, I know. But we're going to get there over time. Like it's not an overnight thing. 
Yeah, like the Bible says, don't don't be so quick to lay hands on people, right? Yep. Don't be so quick to platform a person because they haven't proven anything. We're not the end all be all judge, but like we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. You know, <laughs> the fruit might look good on the outside, but you, you take a little bite or, you know, you pair off a little piece. Does it look good on the inside? You know, if it does, okay, let's move a little bit more forward. But if not, okay, well, what are the root issues that need to be addressed so that the fruit becomes a better fruit? Yes. And trust. You get to learn that leadership that is operating in health are going to be able to discern when do I risk? When do I take a risk? Yeah. When do we take a risk on something that we're like, we don't know how this is going to turn out. We don't know if this is actually the best idea. It's a good idea, but we don't know if it's the best idea. But be able to discern when do we take a risk and when do we need to take our time? All of that relational stuff is a byproduct of our relationship with God first. In order to really kind of discern, like, is this a good thing? Is it a God thing? Well, how well do you know God? Does this thing match up with God's character and his nature? Does this thing match up with the kingdom of God and the mission of God? Because if we get those two things matched up with an opportunity, we're probably going to find the sweet spot right there. And then it's easy. Well, not easy. It's going to be like, oh my gosh, like this is a big deal, God. We're going to take a step of faith because we believe it's you. We don't know how it's going to turn out necessarily. Like we have our ideas. If our ideas sound good and this is you, then your idea is going to be way better. But I think God, at the end of the day, he honors people that take genuine steps of faith to see his kingdom advance. And so regardless of what the outcome looks like, God is working in it and through it to bring himself glory and to bring people closer to him. And that's the win. That's the win. <laughs>